Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex! What's up, man? Not too much, Mike, and today I am very excited to do a deck tech for probably uh, the deck of mine that you would have the least taste for. I was, yeah. Kaikar stack stack. I was going to interrupt you and say like, oh, cool. Another group hug. Oh, we're going to do mm. some politics. Oh, we're going to. No. This actually no. is a quite quite a political deck. It is. It yeah. is. Um, this is not it, your normal stack stack, Mike. No, it's it's truly not. This isn't a, and I'm, I'm saying this with the preface of, don't get me wrong. I haven't changed on all of you. Um, this deck still makes me cringe a little bit, but it makes me cringe in the, I hope I'm not the direction of your lack of affection kind of way um why don't you give a rundown of what the tech uh of what the deck aims to do before we dive into the actual deck itself sure mike so basically what this deck is trying to do is lock down the strongest player at the table with very specific hate pieces Mm -hmm. that basically prevent their deck from functioning now to make this work we need very narrow hate pieces, mm-hmm. which uh, I call here silver bullets. And uh, you may have heard this term before. It's basically a card that is really only going to hose a very specific archetype or group of archetypes and decks. And it sure. doesn't really do anything to any other archetype. And that's desirable in this case, because what I want to do is leave the rest of the table alone and just go rabid dog style on one opponent. So. Sure. From this description, you can probably intuit, this is not a uh, first-round deck. This isn't the deck that I bring out <laughs> at the beginning of the night. This is the deck I like to bring out when somebody has a very powerful deck, and they insist, oh, it's not that kind of deck. And I'm like, yes, it definitely is that kind of deck, and you're not being honest. And then it turns out it definitely was that kind of deck, so now I have to bring out Kaikar because they say that's their only deck. So... That is how the deck is constructed. But what's the goal? Our goal is to find Academy Ruins and Mind Slaver and do the Academy Ruins Mind Slaver lock. Yeah. You'd say, but Lapper, that only locks one player. Well, that's all I want to do. Yep. It's like one player. This is a... How do we put this? Targeted stacks is a thing. Mm -hmm. Because this deck proves that it's a thing. It's way less efficient than normal stacks. This is this isn't us going into our uh, our type of group hug. Uh, let's talk about everybody at the table enjoying themselves as a collective. This is a oh no, you, my opponent, have broken the social contract. So now time. I'm going to break the social contract right back with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which yeah, these are frankly is it's. That's understandable. There are we've all had that experience. We've all had that player that sits down and just decides no one is going to have fun except them. Right. And this is a very good way of making that person have the least amount of fun possible. So, with that said, let's go ahead and 
why don't we start with our vegetables? Uh, you mentioned Academy Ruins is the win con or one of the win cons of this deck. Right. So let's talk about that synergy a little bit later. What lands do you want to start with, Alex? Sure, Mike. Well, we're running uh, a nice variety of lands here. I don't tend mm-hmm. to like to run very many basics sure. in a three or more color deck. So as you can see, we're running uh, got two islands, one mountain, and one plains. Those are my only basics. And then we have a lot, a lot of dual and rainbow lands. Yeah. But then we also have some utility lands. Um, so we don't talk about Academy Ruins. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a new uh, member of the family here, Axgard Armory. This one just got printed in uh, in Kaldheim. Yep. And, uh, Mike, this is the exact kind of utility land that this deck loves. Oh, Axgard sure. Armory is a land that enters the battlefield tapped and has tap add white. It also has pay one red, red, white tap and sacrifice. Search your library for an aura card and or an equipment card. Reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle. So, mm-hmm. Mike, you can get two cards with this land. Yeah. It is it is a favorite of mine in a lot of my decks. I, I run a lot of equipment. I love I love my Enchantress type of decks, and Axgard Armory is really good. Yeah, you'll find that uh, this deck loves auras because auras target specific things. Mm-hmm as opposed to global enchantments, which affect the whole board. I have plenty of those too, but being able to fetch out an aura, most of my super oppressive cards are going to be auras, so that's a good mm-hmm. one to have. Uh, speaking of getting back enchantments, Hall of Heliod's Generosity. Yep. Uh, this is just another entry in the Academy Ruin cycle. Legendary land with tap out of colorless and one white and tap. Put target enchantment card from your graveyard on top of your library. Mike, this is just perfect. This it's a is great just card. perfect. Um, I mean, this is exactly what I want to be doing. Academy Ruins is the same thing, but with artifacts. Mm-hmm. These pieces are very oppressive to one player, or maybe more than one player, incidentally. Depending but on the fact of the matter is that yeah. they're going to draw removal. People do not want to be affected. We'll talk about some of these. You'll be like, wow, I would want to remove that. And you're right. People are going to remove them. That's why we need mm-hmm. these recursion lands. that sure. can get these cards back on top of my library so I can cast them again. But they also function as win cons, which we'll talk about later. Um, how about Undo Sky Ruins? This is a modal double-faced land spell card mm-hmm. that got printed in Zendikar. And on the land side... Uh, which is the back face. It says, uh, Andrew Sky Ruins ETBs tapped, and you add a white with tap. Then on the front face is a sorcery spell, Andu Inversion, for six white white, destroy all non-land permanents. Now, that's a really expensive sorcery. Absolutely. However, just for me personally, these modal double face cards with a land on one half are lands. Yeah. Now, they're tap lands, so you need to keep that in mind, but they're lands. So I did not have to cut a spell for this. I cut a land for this. Sure. There there has to be some kind of... When we talked about something being a little bit more expensive because mm-hmm. it has different modes or because it's more variable, that increases furthermore. I love these these uh, these flip lands... Or not flip lands, rather, but the modal, modal double, double face, face lands. lands yeah. Because the worst case scenario is it's a tap land. Right. I, if it needs to be, and like again, eight mana for a board wipe is a lot. 
unless the opportunity cost is so low of including in your deck. Yep. And if you draw it in your opening hand, you're not like, oh my god, I can't believe I drew an eight mana value spell in my yep. opening hand. Well, you can just cast it as a land on turn one when you don't have a one drop, and you don't even lose tempo. Like normally, I do not. Mike, you know me. I do not like tap lands, but mm-hmm. when a tap land has so much upside that it's literally a spell that has a board wipe, which is exactly what this deck wants to be doing. For sure. Uh, it's it's just a good include for me. Likewise, we have another one, uh, and that is Seagate Reborn, mm-hmm. which on the land side, which is the back. And, uh, and just for reference, when it's a modal double-faced card and the land is on the back, you can't tutor out the land because when okay. it's in your library, it's the instant or sorcery face, the front face. All right, so let's keep that in mind. Seagate Reborn on the back. When Seagate Reborn enters the battlefield, uh, you may pay three life. If you don't, it ETBs tapped. Uh, and then it has tap at a blue. Now, this is the mythic cycle of MDFC land, so mm-hmm. rather than being a strictly tap land, it's a bolt land. You can pay three life at ETBs untapped. Um, but let's look at, at why I have this card, and that's Seagate Restoration on the front face. Yep. Four triple blue, seven mana for a sorcery. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one. You have no max hand size for the rest of the game. Yeah, that's just a nice ace in the hole to have. It really is. Just when when you talk about the value of trying to, how much mana am I getting for how many cards? You don't have to work too hard for this to get a good amount of value, especially right. when you consider the fact that having no max hand size for the rest of the game, maybe that doesn't mean a lot in a bunch of other decks. In a control stacks deck? In a control stacks deck? Yes. All of the options. All those answers. You just want to have as many different answers as you can possibly have in this deck. Or at the very least, you want to be able to influence the table that you have more answers than you should. Mm -hmm. And that always works out nicely. Now, this one may strike people as an odd include. Uh, Petrified Field... Okay. Because this is not a lands deck, and you usually would only see Petrified Field in a lands deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Petrified Field is a land with tap at a colorless and tap at, uh, sacrifice Petrified Field. Return target land card from your graveyard to your hand. And Mike, specifically the reason for that is as an insurance policy, because this deck truly only has two win cons. And realistically speaking, they both involve lands for part of the lock so if somebody gets sneaky and destroys one of my lands as people would like to do especially academy ruins (laughs) as people um, might (laughs) people people may want to do that and if they do uh, and i don't have a means to get that land out of the graveyard that's half or both of my main win cons are gone uh this land petrified field will help avoid that situation and get back those lands in case of emergency I dig it. Yeah. I dig it a lot. So the land base, again, there's... You've, you've got some basics in there. A lot of the rainbow lands, if you call them, a lot of lands, uh, yeah. you know... The, we didn't talk about all the different fixing lands, but yeah. uh, we'll have the deck list and you can read what I've chosen. Lots of shock lands, sure. rainbow lands. We have uh, Cascading Cataracts as a fixing land. Um, specifically, when we talk about Kaikar, you'll see why I'm running this. Indestructible, tap at colorless, and it also has pay five, tap, add five mana in any combination of colors. So that's relevant for Kaikar specifically because Kaikar only makes one type of mana. You want to go ahead and uh, and read off Kaikar right now? Let's do that. Yeah, why don't you know what? Why don't you go ahead and read off Kaikar sure. and you can tell me why Kaikar is the commander of this deck? Absolutely. 
also give you a bit of a mini history lesson uh, sure. for this deck. Kaikara Winds Fury for one blue, red, white, legendary creature bird wizard. It's a 3-3 three, three with flying. And it says, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying. And uh, he also has sacrifice a spirit at red. Uh, so basically what's happening is you're going to make a token every time you cast a non-creature spell. And uh, those tokens, as long as Kaikar's out, are always able to be converted to a single red mana mm-hmm. at instant speed, which is phenomenal. Um, this is a very generic commander, generic meaning it can fit a lot of different archetypes. Sure. As long as that archetype is primarily non-creature, which makes sense because this is Jeskai. Jeskai mm-hmm. doesn't like creature spells. It likes token creatures. So this is in service to getting out stacks pieces faster and specifically building up a wall of flying blockers to ward off aggression. So let's go ahead and move on to the category Mike mm-hmm. wants to do next. Yeah, absolutely. I I do want to see your card advantage category here because okay. yeah, uh, uh, we talked a little bit about them with the land uh, with you know Axe Guard uh, Armory and you know we talked about it with Seagate Restoration, but especially in a control deck, in a stacks deck, you want to have as many options in hand as possible. So why don't we talk about some of those? Mm-hmm. Now. Mike, you know me, and when I am playing card draw spells, which is the first kind of card advantage we'll talk about, I like to get a lot of value for not a lot of mana. Mm -hmm. So the first card I want to talk about here is Dig Through Time. Yeah. Which is banned in a lot of formats. Six blue blue for an instant with Delve. Uh, Delve is a keyword that says each card you exile from your graveyard while casting the spell pays for one. So if you were to exile six from your graveyard, you would pay blue blue. And it says, down, uh, look at the top seven cards of your library. Put two of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So you're going to dig seven deep and draw two for as little as two mana at yep. instant speed. There's a reason this card is banned in a bunch of formats, Mike. It's real gross. It's real gross. Because no one ever cast Del- uh, no one ever cast Dig Through Time for, for eight mana. No, never. <laughs> never. And this deck specifically will tend to accrue things in the graveyard mm-hmm. because for example if i'm putting an aura on a creature uh, and that creature dies aura goes to the graveyard if i put it on a player and they remove it aura goes to the graveyard um you're gonna play a lot of go to the graveyard yeah you're gonna play a lot of things that people want to have gone exactly or are instant or sorcery exactly and this deck does have recursion as you've seen for artifacts and enchantments and to a lesser extent lands but instants and sorceries, um, I don't have recursion for, so I'm totally fine with exiling those right out of my graveyard and drawing some more cards. And specifically, the reason why Dig Through Time, for me, is the preferable one to Treasure Cruise, which I also love. Uh, number one, Dig Through Time is an instant, mm-hmm. which is great. But number two, specifically with Dig Through Time, you dig seven deep. And with this deck, we're all about finding the right answer at the, the right, right time. Yes. So digging is going to help us find those answers. Makes sense. What else you got for me? Let's see what else we got. How about one of my favorites, Mystic Remora. Mystic Remora, simply a classic card draw effect in blue for not a lot of mana, and that's Mm -hmm. what I like. Let's go ahead and read this off. Mystic Remora for a single blue, an enchantment with cumulative upkeep one. 
Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays four. Uh, so they really don't want to pay the four mic. They basically never do. Cumulative upkeep real quick. At the beginning of your upkeep, uh, as long as this permanent is on the battlefield under your control, you will either sacrifice it or put an age counter on it and then pay its upkeep uh, for each age counter you have. So the first turn will cost one, then two, uh, then three. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, we peek behind the curtain. Ristic Study is also in this deck. But oh, yes. yeah. It's a sometimes better Ristic Study, depending on what you're trying to do, depending yeah, on how far it, in the it game It depends on the, the types of spells that your opponents cast. Correct. If you're playing against a bunch of Timmies who love to just drop creatures all the time, um, probably not the best effect, but the pretty much the more competitive your meta is, the better Ristic Vermora becomes. Yes. Because you can play this really early, as early as you think your meta is able to handle, and there are some metas where you're playing, like you're almost guaranteed to see, uh, guaranteed to see mana rocks mm-hmm. on turn two, if not turn one, um, with fast mana. So if you're putting this down, and you're in the kind of meta where people are putting down fast mana rocks, nobody's going to not put down their fast mana rock. They have to, and no one's going to pay the four because they can't. So you can get a lot of card draw before you ever have to pay the cumulative upkeep cost, as long as you put this down at the right time, Mike. I wish this card had a different name. Because the problem is, it, like, it's it sounds a great like card. a creature. It is a creature. Mora is a fish, I, I and the know that. card art is a fish. Yes. Like, why is this? Why is it an enchantment? We'll figure it I out just, one day. We won't, but that's okay. What else you All got right. for me? Let's let's distract from it. Sure. So here's perhaps the best card draw effect in the deck, and if you play a deck with tokens in it. You probably already know what I'm going to say, and that's Skullclamp. Mm-hmm. Skullclamp is an artifact equipment for one mana that says equipped creature gets plus one, minus one, and whenever equipped creature dies, draw two cards with equip one. Um, anyone who's ever played a, a token deck or a uh, a lean deck with a lot of low toughness creatures, especially toughness one, right? Um, this card is... I mean, what do you even say about it, Mike? This is easily <laughs> one of the best cards in the entire format. Um, it was never meant to be this strong. It got banned because it was so strong in other formats. Yeah. The fact of the matter is that you, as long as you have a token that's a 1-1 one, one, or something else that's 1-1, one, one, and you pay one mana, you will draw two cards. And Can you that is an incredibly powerful effect, Mike. Can you imagine how much worse this card would be if it was just a quick creature gets plus one, plus out? That's that's what it was. Uh, it was supposed to be plus one, plus one. They thought that would be too strong. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. Um, now, don't get me wrong. This would still be playable in most token decks as long as you run a sack outlet with it. Sure. But, but it, it wouldn't be anywhere near as strong as it yeah. is right now. Instead of it just being amazing, it would be amazing if you had the other pieces. And if you don't have the other pieces, then it's just good. If you were wondering what uh, equipment I was going to go get with X-Card Armory, it's this. This is what I'm going to go find. All right. Um, so those, those are some of the normal card draw effects, but there are other mm-hmm. kinds of card advantage, Mike. For example, like tutoring. Now, tutoring is a very, very powerful effect that makes your deck more consistent and more likely to win. Mm-hmm. Now... That's not typically the angle that I like to go for in my decks. 
I typically don't like to have a consistent deck. That being said, because this deck is specifically a toolbox stacks deck, uh, it functions a lot better when I'm able to find the specific stacks pieces that I need to find. Sure. So that's why this deck is running uh, a few tutors here, starting with Idyllic Tutor. Mm-hmm. Idyllic Tutor is a sorcery for two and a white. Search your library for an enchantment card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle. Um, this is just the second best white tutor, right? And the first mm-hmm. best uh, is, of course, going to be Enlightened Tutor, which is way more expensive. It's like yes. five times as expensive. For, for good reason. <laughs> for, it's clearly the better tutor. For a single white mana, it's an instant. Search your library for an artifact or enchantment card. Reveal it. Shuffle your library and put that card on top. Um, this is probably the best turn one play the deck has. Yep. Because uh, I'm going to find... I am consider myself experienced enough in the game of Commander to understand when I see an opponent's deck and vaguely understand what archetype of deck that is, what card out of our, our hate list, which we'll go over in, in a few mm-hmm. minutes here, would be the best hoser for them. So I can just go find that right away. And it doesn't I mean, matter if they know it's coming. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. There's there's also worst case scenario if it's a turn one pass, then on your opponent's end step, cast it, go find a soul ring, put it on top. Oh, oh no. Yeah. That's terrible. Who who uh turn yeah. two soul rings gross. Yeah. Uh why don't you give me why don't you give me two more cards before we sure. move on to, to the next segment here? Sure. So Let's talk about one more weird tutor that you may not have seen, and then we'll talk about one more card after that. The weird tutor is Wild Research. Yeah. Now, I feel like before the list came out, most people had never seen this card before um, because this card got printed in uh, in Mystery Boosters. But before that, it was printed in, like, Odyssey. This card is just not common. It's... uh, this is a Naya spell, Wild Research, for two and a red. It's an enchantment with two activated abilities. Mm-hmm. The first one is pay one and a white, search your library for an enchantment card, and reveal that card. Put it into your hand, discard a card at random, then shuffle. Mm-hmm. And the it has the exact same second ability for one and a blue, except it's an instant instead of an enchantment. Repeated now, gamble, but Yeah, it's, it's just weird. gamble. You don't have to tap the enchantment. Nope. And... I have absolutely been burned by this. Of course I have, because it's a gamble. But the fact of the matter is that if you screw up and discard the card that you wanted to find or another one of your hate pieces, I have the lens to help you go get those out of the graveyard. So we're going to be okay. (laughs) That's fair. Um, The last one, and one that will uh, transition us smoothly into our main category here. Yeah. Into our main category here is Psychic Possession. This is both a card draw effect, card advantage, and a hate spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's read it here. Card uh, Psychic Possession is a two blue-blue enchantment aura with enchant opponents. And the first effect says skip your draw step. That's not usually a great start. No. However, you know we're going to get something good, and we do. Whenever enchanted opponent draws a card, you may draw a card. Now, this is basically just a less broken nicer version of uh gosh mike what's what's the sphinx that draws a ton of cards 
Uh, oh, consecrated sphinx. Consecrated sphinx. Thank you. This is just a nicer, less broken consecrated sphinx. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact of the matter is that even though you do skip your draw step, the downside is very minimal. The absolute worst case scenario is that your opponent never draws any cards, which is pretty good for you. They will draw mm-hmm. a card on their draw step. But other sure. than that, if they just choose not to draw any cards to not give you any extra cards, that's fine by you. Because no matter what, they draw that card on their draw step and you will also draw a card. Mm-hmm. So even though you skip your draw step, no matter what your opponent does, you are never down cards. It's very, it's a very good card as far as taking advantage of those that are going to try and find all of their answers or dig through exactly. their deck and all that good stuff. Um, it's also one that I've tried to make work a thousand times, uh, through things like Zedru and just like, no, I'm going to make somebody right. else take it. <laughs> Speaking of Zedru, that's an excellent segue. Uh, yeah, before we get into the hate section, uh, you asked why Kaikar was specifically the commander. The commander mm-hmm. used to be Zedru before yeah. Kaikar came out and the deck used to focus more around donating negative effects yep. to to the uh, player in question. However, Zedru, I just found, was not really conducive to what I wanted to be doing with this deck. Um, Zedru absolutely can work in this capacity, mm-hmm. and the best way i found that it works is by donating auras, um, because you can fix your deck and build it to the specific way such that you would curse someone, donate the aura to them, but it's not the kind of curse that would benefit them to control it. Yes. Um, that said, it was very limiting in the kinds of hate cards that it truly benefited from playing. And also, I noticed that I was running very few hate bears, uh, really like five mm-hmm. in the whole deck. And those were my only creatures. So really all I had to do to transition it was remove the few creatures that were in the deck, because Kaikar doesn't like creatures, and then remove the donation effects in the deck, of which I honestly had found that I'd been slowly removing over the course of time anyway. Uh, sure. Zedru is just a very slow and gradual commander. It costs a lot of mana to donate effects and cast spells in the same turn. Yeah, um, and that's a little Kaikar's bit harder to pull later. off in Jeskai. Yeah. Which makes sense. So Kaikar's you... just getting me the ramp just on the commander, getting yeah. me the creatures. It's just a great effect. And I mean, you, you took out some hate bears, but there's still, I'm looking at the list, plenty of hate in the deck so why don't yes. we go ahead and move on to the hate uh why, why don't you start us off the top here what kind of hate sure. should we expect if if alex's kai card deck hits the table now the important thing to keep in mind here for the hate section before we get mm-hmm. started is that this hate package we'll call it has been tailored to my personal meta that i play with and your hit package if you were to create this deck or one like it would necessarily probably be pretty different from mine so if you're hearing about one of these cards like i don't know why he's running that card nobody plays that uh, archetype in my meta well mm-hmm. got a great answer for you there's pretty much a stack silver bullet for every kind of deck archetype and lots uh, of but... ways to try and find it specifically exactly and we're not going to go over every deck archetype but we are going to go over each individual hate piece and uh, and talk about what kind of decks they hose now, we already talked about Psychic Possession, which is going to hose uh, blue decks and black decks, especially, that really like to draw cards. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, let's talk about an even more generic effect than that that just really hoses a ton of decks. How about Nevermore? Yeah. Nevermore is an enchantment for one white-white that says, as Nevermore enters the battlefield, name a non-land card. The name card can't be cast. Now, so rough. this is a really easy one to pick. I'm going to pick the commander of the player who's playing the too powerful of a commander. Yep. I'm going to name Urza. I'm going to name Kyrick. I'm going to name all the most powerful commanders. Mm-hmm. If if you have one, I'm going to name it, and now you can't cast your commander. If it's already out, it'll remain out until it's removed. But uh, basically, the only commanders that this can't hose are uh, Derevi, the, the bird wizard, yep. and uh, Yumiko the yeah. the blue black ninja other than that cast yeah because they're they're not cast they're just put onto the battlefield and also any effect that would put your commander out of the battlefield but 99.99 percent of commanders have to be cast to get out of the battlefield so this is gonna hurt all of them yeah that makes sense it's it, and what's nice is that unlike uh, unlike that hate bear that we talked about recently mike that prevents anyone from casting their commander this is only hosing one player mm-hmm. so everyone else can still cast their commanders and we don't have a problem there sure what else you got for me this is an interesting one that's uh i think people wouldn't usually think of as a hate piece and we've talked about it before mike that's angel's grace yeah this is just one of my favorite white spells you know i like white spells that are one mana instance that just do super impactful things and this is certainly that Angel's Grace for white. It's an instant with split second. As long as this spell is on the stack, players can't cast spells or activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. Mm -hmm. And the effect says you can't lose the game this turn and your opponents can't win the game this turn. Until end of turn, damage that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. Now, this is just a general ace in the hole style card, but the specific effect that I want to talk about here is your opponents can't win the game this turn. Mm -hmm. Mike, this effect hoses alternate win cons. There are a lot of really powerful alternate win cons in this game. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, we have to talk about the number one uh, such win con because this hoses it way more than usual. We're talking about Laboratory Maniac, Mm -hmm. uh, Thassa's Oracle, and uh, Jace. Now, for any of those... But especially uh, Jace and Labman, if you're uh, if if you have Labman on the field, and you have the effect to mill yourself out or draw yourself out on the stack, mm-hmm. and I cast Angel's Grace, unless you can figure out a way to <laughs> to I don't avoid, even know you, there's like what are you yeah. even going to do there's nothing you can yeah, do so, there's split second on yeah, angel's it's split grace. second <laughs> so after angel's grace resolves basically you have to figure something out to avoid drawing your deck because what's going to happen is you'll draw the whole deck Labman will try to say that you win but you can't so you'll lose so you'll lose so this absolutely hard counters laboratory maniac which is the number one alternate win con in our format i had okay so here's our second half of uh, uh, ooh judge judge's corner judge. Um, so because I I I thought I understood that and I'm glad I did the way that I'm supposed to. How does that work with something in a deck 
archetype that I do a lot, like commander damage. Say I were to attack you. Yeah. And I hit you with enough commander damage to where you're at 21 commander damage or over. Does Angel's Grace care? You don't lose that turn, but then, okay, we pass the turn. Do you then lose on the next turn because you're at 21 commander damage? So, to my understanding, Mike, that is a good question because losing the game due to having 21 or more commander damage uh, from a single commander marked on you is a state-based action. Okay. State-based actions will uh, check themselves and resolve themselves whenever they're allowed to, which is basically all the time that something else isn't resolving. Hmm. Now, just like any other thing that's going to check as many times as the state-based action will check, it isn't going to stop checking. So the state-based action will look to see if you have 21 more commander damage marts. Sure. It's, uh, it'll see that you do. It'll say you lose the game, but you can't. And, goodness, I probably should have looked this up before I started. My understanding... <laughs> My understanding should be that because uh, state-based actions, you sprung one on me. So state-based actions. It's a weird question. I apologize. It is a weird question. The question is whether um, basically we go to the next turn or it would be a, a draw um, because I think that it would end up being a draw because each time that that state-based action checks and resolves, and then basically fails to make you lose the game, that state-based action is going to check again because state-based actions will continue to check. One of the times the state-based actions are allowed to be checked is right after a state-based action finishes resolving. Mm -hmm. So it's going to check again. It's going to notice that you have 21 commander damage marked again, and it's going to try to make you lose the game again. And this will never stop. So my judge ruling and... I've, it's funny. I've never thought about this before. My judge ruling would be that uh, the game would be a stalemate because That's so weird because you wouldn't be able, you've, you you've caused be able a loop that it. neither player can break. That's so silly. I dig it. Well, the card was weird before. Why don't you go ahead and tell me about our next hate piece? Sure. Now, Mike, uh, one of the more oppressive kinds of decks. When people talk about oppressive decks, one name that pops up all the time is Brago King Eternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brago is a creature that says. Uh, basically flying and whenever he deals combat damage to an opponent, Brago's uh, controller can blink any yep. number of non-land permanents that player controls, which is to exile them and return them to the battlefield and basically just get a ton of free ETBs, untap all their mana rocks. Like, they just get a ton of value off of it. How can we stop this blinking menace? <laughs> well, Mike, that's with uh, Torpor. Yep. Torpor Orb is a two-mana artifact that says creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. It's not going to get everything, but some of the stronger ETB effects tend to be on creatures, and blinking creatures is a great way to get those ETB effects. So Torpor Orb is just going to completely stop that from happening. But we also have another option for uh, creatures that are entering the battlefield but they aren't entering from being properly cast. Mm -hmm. And this is a little bit harsher of a punishment. Containment Priest. 
It's yeah. a classic hate bear. This is a 2-2 for one and a white uh, creature human cleric with flash. If a non-token creature would ETB and it wasn't cast, exile it instead. This is basically saying no reanimating yeah. without paying your mana cost. No basically cheating it out from your hand without casting it. No cheating it out from the command zone without casting it. And no blinking either. You can't exile it and have it return to the battlefield. No now, valuing out creatures. Right, exactly. You need to you need to play fair and, and pay for your effects when Containment Priest is out. And Containment Priest can be a surprise because she has Flash. Mm-hmm. What's relevant here, there was recently a Commander Rules change. And this one is uh, probably not even that interesting to anyone but a judge. But it does involve Containment Priest. And basically the way it worked is due to the 2020 change for the command zone replacement effect Mm -hmm. uh, which previously worked in such a way that if your commander would die or be exiled it would instead move to the command zone that's now changed and now it says if your commander uh, dies or is exiled and this is uh it has entered that zone since the last time state-based actions were checked its owner may move it to the command zone so you can Mm -hmm. still get your triggers however that did have another effect that not a lot of people have realized and that is that if you blink your commander and containment priest uh, was to prevent it from re-entering the battlefield by exiling it and it was already in exile prior to this rules change which i don't even remember when this happened i think earlier in 2021 prior to this rules change if your commander was in exile and then was exiled again, well, that just counts as remaining in exile, or it <laughs> used to count as that. So the effect was that because your commander had been in exile since the last time state-based actions were checked, and you didn't move it to the command zone because you thought you were going to blink it and get it back to the battlefield, well, in that case, your commander was permanently exiled, and it's never coming back. Which is um, That is a problem. So they did change it. That's not how it works anymore. The way that it works now is such that if your commander would is in exile and then gets exiled again, like with Containment Priest, um, you'll have a new uh, option to move it to the command zone as a state-based action. That was a really granular, probably unnecessary tangent, but, I mean, if you're playing Containment Priest, you might as well know how it works, right? Oh, no. And, and also, we should absolutely, on our podcast, talk about the things that... We're unnecessary while we do it. Absolutely. But that's, but that's just you, stacks. You may general. remember the command zone was <laughs> uh, was worried about Rune oh, yeah. for a while because Rune could do the same trick mm-hmm. with basically blinking your commander and forcing a gambit. And the gambit is, do I think the Rune player has something that would prevent my commander from coming back? For example, a stifle because right. Rune, uh, Rune blinking the commander back in is a triggered ability, a delayed trigger. So if they were able to stifle it or flash out a containment priest, then your commander end, would just yeah. be stuck in exile forever. So the the gambit is that if you want to play it safe, you have to put your commander back in the command zone. But it could have just been the case that they weren't going to stifle it, and now you have to recast your commander. So that was a really negative situation. Um, I thought it could have interesting effects, but realistically speaking, um, Rune's ability is so easy to just exile commanders one after the other. It makes sense that they changed it, Mike. It's reasonable. I'm glad Do you have any questions about uh, about that? Did that make sense to you? Yeah, it made sense. I, I, okay. 
I followed through uh, before because I got real scared. I like Command Zone. Uh, I got very scared. Of, yeah, they, uh, there was a bit of a, a bit of a panic when when that real change happened in Command Zone. Like, man, Command Zone's like, if you see someone playing Rune, oh buddy, right. yeah. <laughs> um, our next hate piece here is Stranglehold. Mm-hmm. Great hit piece, three and a red for an enchantment. Your opponents can't search libraries. We know how powerful that effect is. Yep. But as a bonus, we also have if an opponent would begin an extra turn, that player skips that turn instead. So Just this is going to hose extra turn decks and decks that are very high power and like to tutor a bunch of cards. Mm-hmm. We get both of them. Always nice to turn off some of the more synergistic combo-y things that you can do. Absolutely. Our next one here, uh, Wars Toll. Mm-hmm. And this one's here to hose control decks, especially permission decks and decks that like to hold up mana. Yes. Um, Wars Toll is three and a red again for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, tap all lands that player controls. Now, that is a trigger, so they have the option to to tap them in response and pay. But what they don't have the option to do is leave lands untapped so that they can counterspell you later. Because right. that's it. Uh, the second ability is if a creature an opponent controls attacks, all creatures that opponent controls attack if able. Yeah. Um, this also helps with control decks because control decks tend to have utility creatures and maybe some unblockable creatures to get in for a a damage trigger. Mm -hmm. But what this says is that if you're going to try to sneak in some damage for a trigger, uh, that's really inadvisable because now all your utility creatures are up for grabs. I'm going to be able to kill any of them that I want to. It really just slows that down. It makes people not want to attack unless they're an aggro deck. And the first ability, of course, is, is... specifically stopping control decks from holding up mana to do counter spells and flash things out, things like that. Makes sense. What else do you want to talk about in the hate pieces? Okay. <clears throat> this is uh, the splashiest effect in the deck, I think. Whenever this hits sure. the board, everyone's kind of like, ooh, overwhelming splendor. Yeah. This is six white white for an enchantment or a curse with enchant player. Creatures enchanted player controls lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1. That's humility. Uh Enchanted player can't activate abilities that aren't mana abilities or loyalty abilities. And uh, that's what's-her-name, Linvala, Keeper of Silence. So we've got two major hosers for a creature deck specifically, especially big aggro decks that make big creatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, control decks, also decks that have utility creatures. This is just going to make all of your creatures, unless you're a token deck, this is hosing your creature deck. It's not going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, creature activated abilities don't work. Your artifact activated abilities that aren't mana rocks don't work. Really hoses. It turns off a lot. I mean, I was I was about to say, like, it turns off this. It, turn, it turns off a yeah. lot of things, and it's definitely a it it can be just a game ender for somebody it's it's a very good card and uh, let's talk about confounding conundrum yeah which is one in a blue for an enchantment when confounding conundrum enters the battlefield draw a card and whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control if that player had another land enter the battlefield under their control this turn they return a land they control to its owner's hand so this is going to hose most kinds of lands decks. Now, they're still yeah. going to get their landfall triggers, 
but it's a lot better for them to get only landfall triggers instead of landfall triggers, and also now they have a ton of mana available. Right. Um, the actual tools, Mike, that we have for hating on lands and land ramp decks are surprisingly limited. Yeah, and this is one of the only ones. But the... Well, that's the thing is, is land yeah. destruction is a great option, but not in this specific way. You'd be surprised. No. What I've found is that land decks, specifically land decks with green, because what kind of land deck doesn't have green, when you do mass land destruction, that land deck is going to be able to recover the fastest, specifically because land decks, the vast majority of them, have ways to play lands out of their graveyard and also to reanimate lands for free. So land destruction is a viable strategy in some cases, but not really, in my experience, to hose land stacks. You need a land ramp hate effect like Confounding Conundrum. It's a good time. And uh, when I say it's a good time, I mean it's a good time for people that aren't me because I, I love my Damian deck. And Confounding Conundrum makes it very, very sad. <laughs> <laughs> the last one I'll talk about, and uh, sure. And again, there are more, and you can look at our... Mm-hmm. At, at my deck list here and also add your own hit pieces for your meta last yeah. one here the immortal sun yeah for six mana legendary artifact players can't activate planeswalker loyalty abilities i think you know what kind of deck this is meant to hose that's super friends yeah at the beginning of your draw step draw an additional card spells you cast cost one less to cast and creatures you control get plus one plus one so there's a lot of value on this card but Really, I'm, that it's I'm here for the first yeah. ability, yep. and that is to completely and utterly put the brakes on any Planeswalker deck. <laughs> what were you trying to... No. What were no, you no, trying... No, no. no. That's kind of oh, what this deck does. Were you going to No, you weren't. No, you weren't. <laughs> I, there, there is some hate on it, but again, it's, it's very specific hate. Right. Which is the interesting part of the deck itself. Like, sure, this um, will prevent your deck that has a couple of Planeswalkers from using them, but your deck's still going to work. I'm not making your deck actively worse. I However, feel like the player this... across from you is mm-hmm. screwed. I feel like this deck is like the the wrapping a ruler on somebody's knuckles for being <laughs> for not for not behaving. At this the is the nun deck. Yeah, the nun yeah. deck. Yeah. What are you doing, nun? None. Um, I like it. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to pop my knuckles uh, because I'm starting to get a little bit worried here. Mm. Uh, And then we're going to come back with a couple of other aspects of the deck, including the ramp, how it protects itself, and, I mean, eventually how it wins and going more into detail on that effect. All right, we're back. And let's go into the ramp. And, frankly, I hate to say it, it's it's just guy. So there's a lot of rocks in here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of rocks in here because that's what you've got to work with. But because of Kaikar and the colors that you get in Jeskai, you do have a couple of other abilities mm-hmm. and cards that are available to you. Why don't we go through a couple of those real quick, Alex? Yeah, well, I guess the first one I want to talk about, Mike, is Kaikar itself. Yeah. Uh, Kaikar is a ramp effect because yeah. as long as I'm casting spells, Kaikar is basically making me the equivalent of treasures that I can save for spending on future spells mm-hmm. and allows me to get out more hit pieces faster and and uh, really ramp forward and the best effect about it is that if kaikar is about to be removed i can in response sack all of my spirits and 
get a bunch of mana and cast a quick spell with it so that it doesn't go to waste. Sure. Um, it, it's point, conditional oh, yeah. ramp, but it's the thing that the deck is doing all the time, so it's not that conditional. Right. Uh, this deck is... What do I think? I have three creatures, including Kaikar, in the deck, and mm-hmm. the rest are non-creature spells and lands. Um, the deck is very specifically crafted to constantly be triggering Kaikar. Yep. Yeah. So, well, Kaikar's ability is pretty close to Phyrexian Altar. We sacrifice a creature and get a colored mana. But we also have Ashnod's Altar, Mike, um, which this is not a, a, a reanimation or aristocrats deck or mm-hmm. even really a proper token deck. But the fact of the matter is that as long as Kaikar is out and making spirits, um, sometimes you just want to have two colorless mana instead of a red mana, and that's a great option for it. Now, specifically because Kaikar only makes spirits, we're able to run an effect that typically you would only see in a tribal deck, and it's a very powerful piece of ramp. And that's Mana Echoes. Mm-hmm. Mana Echoes is two red red for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters, enters the battlefield, you may add an amount of colorless mana equal to the number of creatures you control that share a creature type with it. Yep. And it's always worth mentioning that it counts itself. Yes. So no matter what, bare minimum, you are going to instantly make a mana when a spirit enters. So with this and Kaikar out, when I cast a spell, I basically immediately added red colorless to my mana pool. Yes. Which is... And that's the bare minimum. The next yeah. one I cast, I'll add red double colorless. And the next one, red triple colorless. It's so much mana, Mike. And again, typically this is only run in, in tribal decks. But because Kaikar works this way, it actually works uh, fantastically well. It, it compounds quickly, especially yes. if you have a token doubler which is pretty effective in this deck and i do happen to have a token doubler and i count this as ramp because of, of Kaikar. does yeah anointed procession three and a white for an enchantment if an effect would create one or more tokens under your control it creates twice that many tokens instead so now all my spells are paying two spirits cashing out for double red mm-hmm. uh phenomenal absolutely it's a good Great amount of value. It, even e- even all of those by themselves is a good amount of value, but the ability to synergize, Kaikar has this very flexible flexible ability, which mm-hmm. you've done a pretty good job taking advantage of. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about you protecting yourself, especially if you're going to be doing... If you're going to be playing a deck that is very, very insistent on making one person very, very upset. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to have some ways to stop bad things from happening to you as a result of that. So Absolutely. what are some of the Pillow 40 effects that you've got in the deck? Yeah, so we've already talked about uh, Academy Ruins, Hall of Heliod Generosity, which get back permanents from the graveyard. And mm-hmm. we've talked about Angel's Grace, which uh, basically is a one-time, I don't lose the game this turn effect. Great Pillow sure. for it. And we talked about Petrified Field, which protects my lands from the graveyard as well. But we also have... A couple of effects to protect Kaikar, because as I'm sure you've noticed, I've been talking about assuming Kaikar has been on the battlefield a lot, mm-hmm. and that's not a great assumption to make unless no. you can protect them. People want to get rid of commanders. We probably can try. So mm-hmm. the first way we would try to do that is with Gift of Immortality. 
which is a white aura for two and a white with enchant creature. When enchanted creature dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. Then return gift to the immortality to the battlefield attached to that creature at the beginning of the next end step. Mike, it is really discouraging for people who want to do spot removal or board wipes, knowing mm-hmm. that they have to blow two spells, either targeting the aura and my commander or my commander twice yep. to actually get it off the field that people don't want to have to do that. It's, it's not just a people don't want to have to do that. It's having both of those types of resources available mm-hmm. and being able to hit them up and sink them one. And then, then the, and then the other right after that's right. difficult. And you would think that in most scenarios, the table together could amalgamate multiple removal spells between the three of them however with this deck the player that i'm preying upon i'm also counting on them not having any friends in the rest of the table Mm -hmm. because they're playing an oppressive deck or so we believe (laughs) more more times than not at the very least yes what else you got for me well the other way i'm going to protect is with vanishing Mm-hmm. Now, this card like, totally flies under the radar. This is easily one of my favorite Pillow Fort effects. Vanishing is a single blue mana for an enchant creature aura. And it has a single activated ability. Pay blue blue enchanted creature phases out. This Peace. effect. It's the single most powerful Pillow Fort effect. When something is phased out, it's treated as though it does not exist. Yep. Removal doesn't hit it. Spot removal doesn't hit it. Wraths don't hit it. Minus X, minus X doesn't hit it. Exile doesn't hit it. Tuck doesn't hit it. Literally nothing can touch your commander while it's phased out. Mm-hmm. It's, and you're, I mean, you might be wondering if you're not too familiar with phasing, you might think, oh, well, it phases out Kaikar, but what about itself? Isn't someone just going to blow that up? Well, you'd be wrong because there's right. indirect phasing out. Whenever a permanent <laughs> phases out, all permanents that are attached to that permanent also phase out. And then they will all phase back in at the beginning of my next untap step. Hey, we're back. <laughs> so like this, basically this is a counter spell that I have at all times that says, do not try to remove my commander. It will not work. Sure. Well, that makes sense. Well, let's talk about, you know, if somebody wanted to not just remove your commander or just they wanted to remove whatever, what's a what's a good way to discourage them from trying to destroy anything that you want? Well, we have uh, a couple of options here. We can start with Karmic Justice. Yeah, that's classic. What I was getting that. Yeah. Karmic Justice, two and a white for an enchantment. Whenever a spell or ability an opponent controls destroys a non-creature permanent you control, that's most of my permanents. You may destroy target permanent that opponent controls. Now, let's read that again. When an opponent destroys a non-creature permanent, I can destroy any permanent that player controls. Yep. So if they cut me, I'm going to cut off one of their legs. I'm going to take out either their best land. I can take out their biggest mana rock. It's I have my pick of the litter. They are heavily discouraged from removing my stuff. Because yep. I'm going to strike back and take their best thing. Another piece that makes it harder for them to remove the auras that you put on them. Exactly. Et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. They really get cracked back automatically from this. And it's, uh, it's very even good. if they try to remove this, they're still going to get hit. Yep. 
Even if this is a three mana, I have to get rid of that. Yeah. Okay, well, it's still a three mana. I'm going to get rid of your best thing. Exactly. But, uh, Mike, we also have another Pillar Fort option we were just talking about, phasing. And this is the absolute ultimate Pillar Fort, ultimate phasing card to Fairy's Protection. Yep. Perhaps the best white spell in the game? Question mark? Maybe. So Fairy's Protection, tune a white for an instant until your next turn. Your life total can't change, and you gain protection from everything. All permanents you control phase out and exile to Fairy's Protection. Mike, those are three very powerful things. Life total can't change. Yep. That's only on Platinum Imperion on this card. There's only two cards in the game. Platinum Imperion's a big artifact boy. It costs a lot of mana. This costs Mm. three mana. Second thing, protection from everything. Uh, the only thing that I Progenitus. can think of with protection from everything <laughs> is Progenitus, which gives it to a creature, and mm-hmm. Teferi's Protection, which costs seven mana less and also affects you. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing, all permanents you control phase out. That means no board wipes. That means no spot removal. All of the things that I said that Vanishing protects my commander from, Teferi's Protection protects everything from. Yep. This is the single most versatile pillow fort effect that will protect you from almost anything. The only things that it won't protect you from are hand attack, when somebody makes everyone discard their hand, mm-hmm. and mill, if someone makes everyone mill. Because those effects, if they don't target, you don't have protection from them. Right. And your library and hand and graveyard are not phased out. So those are the only things that anyone can do to you. Literally every other strategy is non-functional. This card is, I mean, it's just the best of the best. It's it's the best white spell. Yeah. I mean, like, it, we can talk about how, you know, Path to Exile, Swords, those are very good. And right. Sure. They, and are, they, are, they are the best, right, as far right. as what they do. The upside on Teferi's Protection is you win the game. The lowest that teferi's protection does is it keeps you from losing the game <laughs> right like, it's it's a good card. you can use it aggressively defensively you can threaten with it like there's there's basically nothing that can be done except countering teferi's protection if if the be- if the only thing against it is that it can be countered well then it's only like 90 percent of all spells and magic but with the upside of being the best right so those are the ways that you can defend yourself and you can defend Kaikar, which are very important for this deck. What are some of the ways that you can get rid of some of the imminent threats? We already mentioned one of them uh, with Path to Exile. Not quite the best white spell in the game, but definitely in the uh, It's way up there. Absolutely. Probably top five. App. What are some of the other things that you can do? Though? All right. So Path to Exile is definitely a great one, but uh, Mike, we need a wide variety of different kinds of removal spells to deal with a wide different variety of decks. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start with some board wipes? Yeah. How about one that we mentioned quite recently? Austere Command. Mm -hmm. We don't have to get into this one too much because we were just talking about in our modal episode just how versatile of a board wipe this is. And that is the very reason I have it included here. Austere Command for White White for Sorcery. Choose two. Destroy all artifacts or destroy all enchantments or destroy all creatures, mana value three or less. 
or destroy all creatures mana value four or greater. What's the uh, problem on the board? Get rid of it. Exactly. The end. Save the things that I want to save. What else you got? We have a couple of other board wipes in here. We have the Andu Inversion. And we have the far, far more powerful um, Cyclonic Rift, of course. Mm-hmm. Got to run Cyclonic Rift. One and a blue for an instant return target. Now that permanent you control to its owner's hand with overload for six and a blue. Everyone knows this effect. It's the most powerful board wipe in the game. Um... I mean, good luck after you get hit by this. Ban it. I hate it. It's an instant speed board wipe. It's so strong. It's so strong, Mike. And then we have another one. Play of the game. Play of the game is a sorcery. Six white white with assist. Another player can pay up to six generic of this spell's cost. And the effect says exile all non-land permanents. Now, you might be wondering, this is a really expensive spell. Like, how the hell are you going to get somebody to help you pay for it? The fact of the matter is, Mike, that when this spell needs to be cast, it's probably quite likely that the other players at the table are just scrambling to find this kind of answer. This is the kind of answer that ends the plans of the archenemy. Everything gets exiled. Yep. And you may be able to find somebody willing to reduce this cost, so then you can start rebuilding right away. Because when things get this bad, you're likely not the only person who noticed things got this bad. Sure. It's... Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Sometimes you need to press the big red reset button, Mike. Yeah, no, it's totally reasonable. It's definitely not an every game spell. Getting getting even one player to help you out yeah. isn't usually too hard. With even if they had just spend like a couple of mana, now suddenly mm-hmm. it's a six mana board wipe. Nothing Very wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We also have a spot removal and lots of it. Yeah. But uh, we have some different varieties of spot removal. For uh, instance, we have absolutely classic Chaos War. Mm-hmm. Love this spell. Two and a red for an instant. The owner of target permanent shuffles it into their library, then reveals the top card. If it's a permanent card, they put it onto the battlefield. Yep. It's um, a staple. Just a, it's it's great fun. The chances of them, of them getting something worse than what you removed is very low. But even if they do get something worse, at least that's really fun. Right. So you're like, oh no, they got it. Also, not not a terrible thing to cast on yourself. Oh yeah, I love doing this on myself. Cast it on one of yeah. my tokens and get maybe a hate piece. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Also have uh, talked about path to exile for spot removal. We also have enchantment-based spot removal, which yes. this deck likes because I can get enchantments back from the graveyard, mm-hmm. and they count as, as non-creature spells. So these are very, very nice for dealing with commanders especially, because there are some sneaky commanders out there that will just find a way out. Like, you remove them, they're just going to get cast again. But... We get cards like Darksteel Mutation. It gets a little yeah. bit harder. For one and a white, it's an enchantment aura and enchant creature. Enchanted creature is an insect artifact creature with power and toughness 0-1 and has indestructible, loses all other types, uh, abilities, and creature types. Mm-hmm. So your commander is now an indestructible bug. Usually when you Lignify or Song of the Dryad, uh, the classic green auras that lock down a, a creature. Usually the first reaction of that 
creature's controller is going to be to try to swing it in through combat and get somebody sure. to blow it up. Or um, use it as a blocker or something exactly, along those lines. It, exactly. Damage it in some way to where right. they can get their commander back. This makes that strategy almost impossible. Bye. Because it's indestructible. And having no abilities, there are a lot of effects that basically say, oh, well, this creature can't attack, can't block, right. and its activated abilities can't be activated. There are a lot of commanders that have really powerful abilities that are either static or triggered abilities, and they aren't activated. Um, so those effects are not enough. You need something that removes the abilities of their commander. And speaking of, we have another effect just like it, but it can also hit some other card types. And Mike, this is the flavor win imprisoned in the moon. Yep. For two and a blue, it's an enchantment aura enchant creature land or planeswalker. We got great options here. Enchanted permanent is a colorless land with tap at colorless and loses all other card types and abilities. And as for the flavor, this is when Emrakul mind controlled Tamiel to lock her in the moon of Innistrad. And that's mm-hmm. the last that we ever saw of her. Mm-hmm. That'll happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, the phenomenal thing about this is that this is, to my knowledge, the only Lignify effect that can successfully lock down a Planeswalker commander. Yeah. Like, sure, you can attack into a Planeswalker commander and kill it and make them recast it, but how many effects actually keep that commander locked down? Because we know about O-Ring effects yeah. that will exile the permanent, but most people will probably just let it go to the command zone and mm-hmm. just recast it because they don't know when they're going to be able to remove that piece. Right. Being able to lignify to make a creature lose all of its abilities is far more powerful because now their options are very limited. They either have to find a way to blow up the aura or they have to find a way to sacrifice a non-land permanent, which very few decks are able to do. Exactly. Sacrifice it's, a it's, land. It's, it's a very... It's dark steel mutation, but still harder to be able right. to get rid of. Yeah, because now it's not and even a creature. Now it's stuff. a land. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. So... These are some of the ways that you're removing threats from right. being an issue. Why don't we talk about some of the ways that you stop things from ever becoming threats? Let's talk about the control pieces. Perfect. So for control pieces, I have a counterspell package mm-hmm. and also a few other cards. Let's talk about a few of our counterspells here. Start with a nice classic mana drain. This mm-hmm. is just the best counterspell in the game of Commander. Uh, blue blue for an instant counter target spell at the beginning of your next main phase add an amount of colorless equal to that spell's mana value um mike there's no reason other than cost of course that you would not run this over counter spell this is just counter spell mm-hmm. but you get free mana um and frankly the kinds of spells that I want to be countering are big splashy things that I don't want to resolve that cost a lot of mana. And now I have that mana and that's fantastic. Um, This is a very expensive card, so don't break the bank going for it. A normal counter spell works fine, Uh, but this is just a very, very nice upgrade. But we also have some more and different counter spells. How about muddle the mixture? Yeah. I really like this one, Mike. This is a common counter spell from Ravnica. It's blue, blue, Counter target instant or sorcery spell. Now that is pretty limited. 
However, it is a two-mana instant speed counterspell. However, we have upside. We have transmute for one Mm blue-blue. And that means if you pay one blue-blue and discard this card from your hand, you can tutor out a two-mana value card and put that card into your hand. Yes. So this can get any two-mana value card in my deck. For example, Cyclonic Rift. Sure. Or many of my mana rocks. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of the hate many pieces. of my hate pieces, like Containment Priest. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be able to find a lot of different and varied things. Torpor. Absolutely. It's uh, it's just a good tutor to have. It's always nice to have a card that does something and is also a tutor. Um, yeah. Transmute is also on uh, Teleria West, which is a great, great land. It does the same thing, but since it's a land, it finds a CMC zero card. Um, I have some other counter spells here. How about Render Silent? This is a more expensive counter spell for white, blue, blue for an instant counter target spell. And its controller can't cast spells this turn. That's rough. This is, is the exact really kind of counterspell. For yeah, for, for one extra mana, this is a fantastic upside. Because if I know that this is the turn that they're going to go off and try to win, well, now they just can't. They just straight up can't. And now they're wide open with everything committed to the board. Um, they have to counter this counterspell. Because if they don't, their turn is over. It's such a gross spell. If if this was one generic and two blue, it'd be a seventy dollar card. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> it's so good. It makes sense as an Azoria spell, but yes, it's it does. very strong. It really does. It's it's good to keep in mind this only hoses one player, and that's what this deck is all about. We're yes. hosing the big bad. And speaking of, here's another funny little counter spell that I think you and I both have a great appreciation for, Mike, and that's sudden substitution. Yeah! This is two blue-blue for an instant with split second. Exchange control of target non-creature spell and target creature. Then the spell's controller may choose new targets for it. Mike, there are about a trillion and one uses for this effect, but the fact of the matter is that I will always have a creature that I'm able to give up because I have tokens. When When I cast cast a spell, I make a token. You make a token, yeah. Yep. Just it's to, so, I mean, so I can gain control of their spell. I can gain control of their best creature and force a spell onto them. There's mm-hmm. just, there's so many different ways to use this effect. And like, what are they going to do with one token when I steal their best spell? Right. And it has split second. This cannot be counterspelled. Yeah. It's, it is a very good way to effectively say no. Not only are you not, but I am now. In, enjoy your your spirit. Enjoy now the last uh, the last counterspell I'll talk about here is maybe strictly speaking not as powerful as Mana Drain, but practically speaking, especially near the end of the game, this counterspell just completely shuts people down. Like, and that's Forbid. Yeah, Forbid is one blue blue counter target spell with buyback. Discard two cards. Yep. As long as they don't have a counterspell. They can't do anything because late in the game, I've drawn a lot of cards. I'm willing to discard cards because I can reanimate them. And mm-hmm. Mike, we've talked about this. Once I reveal that I have a counterspell that I'm willing to buy back and cast again, do you really think they're going to be wanting to cast a bunch of spells? I it's don't think so. Real hard. It's real hard to get around it at that point. It's You have to run out of resources, which 
you're making every time you're casting it mm-hmm. as well as having a way to get around it and hoping that it, it's it's too hard to get rid of depending on the situation that that's just an ender the last control piece i'll talk about here is not a counter spell mm-hmm. but this is going to basically just make my entire deck run more smoothly sure and uh, shout out to josh lee quiet this is the uh, blue version of what is perhaps his famous card and what he is most infamous for. And that is Leyline of Anticipation. Hmm. Leyline of Anticipation is two blue blue for an enchantment. If Leyline of Anticipation is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with this card on the battlefield. And it says you may cast spells as though they had flash, which is instant mm-hmm. speed. Um, frankly, even if you have to pay full cost for the spell, for a deck so like good. this yeah. that wants that needs to play reactively, this is a deck that is specifically trying to stop people from doing things. So there's going to be a lot of times when it would be really great to get out a hate piece like an enchantment at instant speed on the opponent's turn when they can't see it coming. Right. It's... Ugh. Like, this is one of your favorite cards, right? Like, you love uh, the Dalkin Orrery. You think it's a phenomenally powerful card. And I, I very, think you feel the same way about this card. card. It is a very powerful card. That's the problem. I don't hate it. It's well, you just, notice it's, I'm not running both. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that, it, it very much belongs in a deck like this. Yes. It belongs in a deck like this because what it does is it takes all of this stuff that's already oppressive... And it can turn it into full-fledged, yeah. can't-be-stopped. This is basically, you lift off the ground six feet in the air, and now you're like, ah, what are you going to do now? Yeah. Good good, good, good luck reaching me. Exactly. <laughs> so that's uh, how we control things. That's yeah. how we stop people. That's how we remove people. That's how we protect ourselves. This is how we generate the hate. How we get the cards for the hate. How does it win? Now, you, you touched on it a little yes. bit before with the Mind Slaver and Academy Ruins combo. Go ahead and go over that briefly. Okay. Before so let's go ahead and read both one. of those cards. We talked about this in our Commander Spellbook uh, staff interview episode, which you can definitely go listen to, but we'll talk about this again. Academy Ruins is a legendary land with tap add colorless and the activated ability. Pay one blue and tap, put target artifact card from your graveyard on top of your library. Mm-hmm. And likewise, we have what is perhaps one of my favorite cards of all time. And that's Mind Slaver. Mind Slaver is a six mana artifact, legendary artifact, with pay four tap and sacrifice it. You control target players next turn. Yep. Those are the words that I love to read, Mike. What? <laughs> as soon as I take control of your turn, that's the ultimate hose. You're donezo. And the nice thing about this combo, Mike, is that I'm not only going to take control of their turn once, I'm going to activate Mind Slaver to take control of their next turn, and then I will take their turn for them. And then before their turn ends, I'm going to use Academy Ruins to move Mind Slaver from my graveyard to the top of my library. On my turn, I'll draw it, I'll play it again, and I'll activate and sacrifice it again. Now, this is literally only going to lock out one player, as I said before. However... They're host. There is almost nothing they can do at this point. Unless they had instant speed graveyard removal, which, yeah, that would work. Yeah. Other than that, mm, convincing the other players that you don't want to die? I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to work out very well for you. So that's our main win con, Mike. I'm trying to get to Mind Slaver and Academy of Ruins and get 13 mana on board. And then just every single time I get to my turn, I'll spend that mana to activate Mind Slaver and then get it back. Um, this is a very brutal lock. But, I mean, if you're looking for a way to make a stacks deck that only wants to hurt one player win, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better and more appropriate win con than this, in my opinion. It's... I mean, if you're if you're du- if you're into the you know end game of you and one other player, it's an, it's 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 a win. If it's getting other people out of the game, it still works. It's it's very powerful. It's also why it is an infamous effect. Yes. Um, one of the well, I wouldn't say less infamous, but less known, still infamous, but in equally its own as right. powerful. Yes. Uh, talk to me about the other win con here. Yeah, so our other win con is in case uh, somebody gets smart and does some instant speed graveyard removal, yeah, like yeah. I was just saying, and they get rid of Mind Slaver forever. Uh, we don't want that to happen. But if that does happen, we do have a backup, Mike. And that is another favorite of mine, Solemnity Decree of Silence Lock. Oh my god, is this card brutal, Mike. This is almost as bad as Mind Slaver. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about... Decree of Silence first, which is just a your bog standard, extremely expensive counterspell enchantment. Yep. Bog standard. This this is a completely unique card. This doesn't exist anywhere. Nope. Um Decree of Silence. Six blue blue Oof. for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, counter that spell and put a depletion counter on Decree of Silence. Then if there are three or more depletion counters on Decree of Silence sacrifice it sure and it also has cycling for blue blue when you cycle the creative silence counter target spell Um, decides that it's going to counter three spells from your opponents right so basically never use a cycling ability but when this comes out it's going to counter the next three spells to get played and who wants that to happen even just by itself like i mean come on you don't want to have to sacrifice spell like you would want to sort of distribute that labor and say, okay, well, uh, Dana, can you cast a spell into this? Just like a random spell to get rid of something and, and I'll cast a random spell into it and it'll get countered. And then between the three of us, we'll get rid of it. That seems pretty unlikely to happen in this case, but this wouldn't really be a lock, Mike, if it didn't have a way to actually lock things down. Let's talk about Solemnity. Now, this is a hate piece all of its own. Yes. There are decks that this will just hate up by itself without Decree of Silence. Solemnity 2 and white for an enchantment. Players can't get counters, and counters can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. So your plus one, plus one counter deck, your minus one, minus one counter deck, your energy counter deck, your experience counter deck, your infect deck. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is going to hose a lot of different kinds of decks that involve counters. But we've already gone through our hate section This can also be used as part of the lock. Because when we say counters can't be put on enchantments, and we look back at Decree of Silence, and we see that it's looking... It is an enchantment, that's right. It's looking for uh, other players to cast spells for it to counter, and then it puts counters on itself, and then it waits until three counters are on itself to be sacrificed. 
if those counters are never put on, it's never going to be sacrificed no matter how many spells it counters, and it will counter every single spell. So yep. that's a proper lock. It's it's a good way to say no one is casting spells for the rest right. of the game except for me. Who wants, this to, is... who wants to shuffle up? It's worth noting, if you've been just listening to this episode with your jaw on the floor, like, how can you treat your fellow EDH players like that? Alex, I am ashamed of you. Let's back up. This is not for your normal fun Friday night magic pod. This is not for playing with friends. This is for you are in your LGS. There is somebody at your pod with a deck that is way more powerful than anyone else's. And they're either the only game in town or you're kind of stuck with them for now. This happens to all of us. You have that one friend, he only has one deck, and it's really mean. This is your solution to that. You specifically mentioned it at the beginning. I think and everything you just said, absolutely true. The, the keywords that you said at the beginning, and I think are almost something that go on the title of the deck, are this is not the first deck that you play with. No. This Absolutely is a deck not. that is summoned by somebody else. Right. <laughs> when you bring out your Urza, over. this is what comes back, a bird. Yes. And you, you still let them play that deck. Oh, yeah. I don't say, I don't complain it. at them like you can't play that deck. I'm going to say, listen, I have a deck here, and this deck only exists to make your life miserable, and only yours. Yep. Like all other things, we, we announce what we're planning on doing. We right. have the table know. Our intents are known. And then we play the game. This is not a sneaky deck. This is not a mean, vindictive deck. This is, hey, you can play that eight or that nine, but I just want you to know that I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that your deck is completely constricted and can't do anything at all. And I'm going to make you lose the game super hard. And And why? Hold on. And why are you doing that? I'm doing that because you're playing a deck that's too strong for this pod. Okay. So here's the thing. I love you as a human being. This is a mean deck, and that is the definition of vindictive. <laughs> but it's justified, and that is the real sure. thing here. That is the real thing here. So when we say it's not a mean deck, it's not a vindictive deck. Oh, it is, but it has reasons. There's, it and has that's reasons. the kind of stacks that I'm okay with. If you're doing it for a reason, if the entire premise of the game is not to make everybody miserable and not play the game of magic... I'm I'm uncomfortable. But if you're playing a deck where you're bringing somebody else back down to the level that mm-hmm. they put everybody at the game before, great. Because they've broken the social contract as far as I'm concerned. We're right. here. We're doing this to have a fun time. Cool. No big deal. Like, put it this way. If we're ever doing a cardboard combat stream on Thursday nights on the Twitch channel... And this deck comes out. Uh-oh. We've done something wrong. <laughs> like we, that well, is a that is a failure on advance. our that's, part. That that's yes. uh, that seems unlikely to happen. Absolutely, and, and that's I, probably and I, why you yes. haven't seen this deck before. I've I've seen it. I just haven't. No, seen I know it in you've seen time. it, but our listeners certainly yes. haven't. Um, and that's but that's what I want to get to. Right. This is a deck I know about. I'm very familiar with this deck. In the. How long was I playing Magic with you consistently? Like two oh, years? Yeah. Three yeah. years? Like oh, it was yeah. a decent amount of time. I've seen this deck in action maybe like four times. Right. Because it exists to literally say, hey, 
we're gonna have our our, our come to Urza moment essentially. <laughs> we need to have a co- we need to have a conversation here, friend. You know that uh, wasn't very cool. <laughs> we've we've been talking about all this of like oh we have to slap their hand all that good stuff. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that there are players out there who legitimately enjoy the experience of building a very powerful deck and just being the arch enemy for the whole game. Which is fine, right. honestly. And for those it's, players, this is the deck that you want to play against. Yes. I even even if you sit down and you say, I have a very, very powerful deck. I am letting you all know, either play your most powerful stuff, band together against right. me, whatever. This that's is the deck totally that I bring fine. out. And that's the deck that you bring out. Yep. And then frankly, if somebody says that, and I think that has happened before where somebody said that. And then you brought out that deck, and I just looked at the other person at the table like you're that screwed, hadn't pulled buddy. out a deck yet. Well, no, the other person at the table, and I was just kind of like, me and you are going to play our own game. <laughs> they're they're going to go at each other. Me and you are playing together. This is what I bring out when uh, somebody sits across from me with a uh, Jenga Taxius deck. Jenga Taxius. Never bring a Jenga Taxius deck to a pod. But if I mean, you do, you're going to meet yeah, Kaikar, and you're going to lose that's, to a bird. That's not true. Never not bring anything to to your table. Just be ready for whatever comes out of the other players because of that. Um, that you know what I think. Jinkataxius is a pretty good way end to end the podcast because that's where we're at. So, Alex, thank you very much for talking about the the Kaikar deck with us absolutely um, where can people find you on socials if they have any questions for you sure you can get me on twitter uh at lappermedic l-a-p-p-e-r-m-e-d-i-c you can just tweet at me or dm me with any judge questions you may have or you can email me directly at alex at edhrec.com so we're gonna put a link to the tapped out deck list in our show notes one thing i do want to point out about this deck is it seems real real expensive and then you look at it, and the reason that it's real, real expensive is because of a total of, like, eight cards. Right. Which, you know, we've got our dual lands, we've got our Academy Rector, we've got a couple of those cards that are really inflating the, you don't need all the overall cards. price. You yeah. don't need all those cards. No. You can make this deck pretty functional for a much more reasonable price. Oh, yeah. So, keep Kai that in cheap. mind. Most hate pieces yep. are actually pretty cheap. Yep. Um, and again, you're going to want to tune the hate package to your meta. Yes. Uh, you don't want to just bring in my, like, please net deck my deck, but don't net deck it without making it your own. And that's yes. not because, oh, I, you're stealing from me. I want you to, to make this deck and make it work for you at your pod. And the way that I built it is almost certainly not going to be very effective at your pod. No. Uh, unless unless most pods are running the same kind of people. Well, you know, and, it's it's going to get you know, a good, like, <laughs> it's going to get a good few chunks of your decks, but I'm willing to bet that the specific problem deck that you're thinking of probably isn't represented here because sure. everyone's problem deck is going to be different. Yep, just a little bit. And that's why it's a deck that you can adjust pretty easily. So we'll have the deck list in our show notes. We'll also have our Discord link in our show notes here. Uh, Come join us. We've uh, been communicating with some people as far as some uh, cards that we're going to be using. And ooh, can I see that in the very near future? If you have any questions for Alex as a judge, that's a pretty good way to be able to get in contact with them, everybody. Mm -hmm. That's how I've done it all of these years. And... Well, now we're just offering the opportunity for the rest of you. We can ask you very silly questions like whether or not Angel's Grace works with commander damage and 
not a question that anybody should have to ask at any time, yeah. but our judge is able to figure it out because he's a smart dude. Oh. Uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at EDH underscore social or email us at the social contract EDH at gmail.com. Hope you really enjoyed the deck tech. We'll talk to you next week.